for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Look, y'all, your elk hunting mindset is everything. In part one of our series, we covered mental success breakers we saw in 2023. This week, we give possible solutions to help you get through those and be the best you can possibly be on your next elk hunt. Welcome to part two of our elk hunting mentality, mistakes, and mentor series. The goal of this series is to take our actual boots on the ground in 2023 season experiences and help you learn, prepare, and get on that success train in 2024. So pull up a chair and reach your hands out to the campfire and let's get that dog a hunting. That discussion, our elk bros shout outs and questions from our elk bros mailbox. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your hosts, Gilbert Ornelas and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So, come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you live from Spring, Texas, and joining me tonight's crew. That's right, we've got the Northern Don and your newest Elk Bros hunting coach. Uh, Mr. Manano Grateron from the Venezuelan Mafia. We've got the legend in the house tonight from Cuesta, New Mexico, Mr. R.C. Knox. 
And that's right. We got the man with the golden voice, the owner of the Western Contours podcast and Western Fly Covers, man. He is the man with the golden voice. Mr. Guy Duplanche is in the house. What's up, boys? We don't have the ninja Chav in the house with us tonight, but we got He's the, out there sneaking somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we got your L cutting coach. Mr. Joe Gillia, WWJGD's in the house. We got it teed up. Let's hit it deep, Joe. What's up, fellas? What's going on, the boys? Oh, no. Oh, goodness, man. Yeah, Chav. Chav, like, lives 200 yards down the road, man. He's like, I got computer issue. Couldn't call any over here, you know. I drove I drove 13 hours to do a podcast. I'm you telling know? you, man. man. I was like, dude, you got the iPad. I mean, we got all this technology these days. Come on, man. Go right on the phone. Yeah. Chav, I think Chav has What did you plans, do to him, man. Joe? You overwork him or what? No, man. I haven't, I haven't you know, no. we, we ain't hardly even seen each other, man. Uh, I think we saw each other at our nephew's football game, um, right. Albuquerque. Well, was- maybe that's the problem. You got him all pissed off, Joe. <laughs> you ain't been spending no time with him. <laughs> well, we went to the movie. I mean, 200 yards, he has to drive by the house to get out of the neighborhood. <laughs> I know, man. What's up with that? Uh, you know what it is? He's, he's upset. He's upset, man, because – we got somebody that wants to do an Elk Bros cologne, right? Or Elk Bros. <laughs> and he wants to name it. It the already ninja. stinks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he wants to name it the ninja. Yeah. Man, that, that might be better just to go with Chav's scent. I mean, the Elk Bros <laughs> cologne. I mean, talking. <laughs> Joe's butt yeah. here on the ground. Oh, Five day old socks. I mean, I, come on, man. I, I, Ask I KK we... how my tent was smelling after we ate all that Pequena and stuff. I think, oh, I think we should call it. I, I think we should call it after paella. We should call it after paella. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the, so the problem is the paella, right? Yes. We could get him to Manana. We could get it to make him like the nose jammer smell, man. Which smells like wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the mental, the wheels, the gears turning on that. Oh, oh my God. It stinks that off so already, nasty, man. Well, you know, when, when I cool. saw that, I was like, you know, I'm just the type of person, I mean, like, number one, you know, I, I don't like this. I'm not like Manano. I like to smell like nothing out in the woods. You know, Manano's got all this stuff and spray and everything, you know, when he goes out there. And I'm like, and I thought it was kind don't of. Get, don't get this tired of Joe. So I send it to, to Gil and, I've, and I'm figuring Gil's going to be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And he's like. Heck yeah, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> call it, call it upwind ode to Joe. <laughs> upwind. You know what? Upwind. That's a great, hey, upwind. That, you just found it right there. Man. That is the name, right? Yeah, right there, man. Upwind, upwind. ode to Joe. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's too funny, man. Oh, okay. So seriously, let me get a little serious, man. First, I, look. I have to thank, I want to thank everybody, man, for the emails, the texts, the messages that we've been getting about. We've been getting stuff on successes, memories made, these life changing experience that people have felt and been a part of. And, you know, we, we, it's so, I don't think people understand really 
what it makes me feel like, us feel like. Yeah, when, when we get um this stuff from people finding success with the soloist and with our soloist bugle tube and and our and our calls and stuff, I mean it is just so cool. And I, and I know, I know guy, like when you see guys out there and they're sporting those, uh, Western fly covers, man, you know, and they're doing it all different ways. And when you, it's, it's just this pride factor that you feel. Yeah. So, you know, it's like today on social media, Joe, I saw a guy on the hunt wars deal. He's rocking a elk bros hat and some yeah. elk bros swag. Right. I mean, you're yeah. just proud when you see something like that, it, it catches a- you off guard. It's like, Wow, check this dude out. He's got some Elk Bros swag on, you know. Yeah, it's so it's cool, man. Cool. And it's, so it's not even the 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 swag and everything. It's more that your that your purpose is being fulfilled, right? Yeah, like, man. You know that education yeah, and, and wanting yeah. to pass that knowledge on and stuff. And that's really, I mean, that's where the home runs are at. It's cool to see them in shirts and have yeah, yeah, you yeah. know the pack fly out, the but merch, it's more like, yeah. man. You survived that hunt because of that, or you laid that bull down because of that, or you got yeah. on that mule deer because of that little bit, man. It's it's oh, huge when it comes to that stuff. Know, I just know how I felt, man. You know, I, I was buying Larry D. Jones calls, and I was buying Wayne Carlton's calls, and I looked at those people like, you know, looked so up to them and had an opportunity actually to be out of shoot with Larry D. Jones. And I've, I've talked with Wayne, never got to meet him in person, you know, Mark and I talk all the time, but you know, the idea that we're doing something that other people are using like that is just, yeah, yeah it's, it's too well, and, crazy. And now you're seeing stuff like this right here. I mean, that's cool. crazy. I talked about that in a little bit yeah. too. And, yeah. um, and for those people that, are listening, you know, he's holding up a new read that we're getting ready to talk about as well this evening. But, you know, uh, when I get an, an email and I was just on the phone, um, with one of our listeners yesterday, and that's where idea came for a new type of episode that I want to do called conversations because, you know, he gets on there and he's just like, Joe, I, I want to tell you and I want you to tell the boys. You guys save my life. You know, my life has oh, changed wow. because of the things that, that I've heard you say that you believe in and got me to look at things differently and change my outlook in life. Or, you know, you, I, you saw a post today that I had on a gentleman that, you know, this guy went from a size 40 to a size 36 britches, lost 40 oh. some pounds is, um, oh. You know, he's, he's extended his life, man. And he's like, wow. honestly says, you know, the things I heard you guys say have saved my life. So, I mean, that's, that's powerful. That's huge. Oh, nah, no doubt. And, you know, we make a little light of it, Joe, but we're, I'm very humbled that, uh, Valerie Boffy with, uh, St. Craft would call, you know, email us and want, and want to, oh, yeah. you know, even talk about having the Elk Bros signature scent out there. I mean, <laughs> dude, how, how, how humbling is that? I mean, we right. laugh about it and joke right. about it, but man, I mean, you got people that are wanting to be part, you know, and, and, uh, even, even making 
you know, cologne and stuff like that. It's crazy, man. Yeah. But I, you chuckle about it and you make a little light of it, but you don't know, want Valerie to know that we're not making fun of no, her. It's no, just, not at all, in man. our wildest dreams, we would have never, <laughs> in our wildest dreams, we had never thought somebody wanted to make a cologne after a That's a forward thinking woman there, boy. Yeah, no, Think no, she can no, come no, up I with mean, a good scent for Elk Bros. Look, and, and, <laughs> I, and I, and you know, Joe, I dig that about her because she's not embarrassed at all. She's coming after right out the gate man swinging oh, yeah. so well, you know definitely want to get back with her and talk with her just well, you know she so. said that you know what you guys represent in the outdoors and the ruggedness and you know uh the the work ethic how, i don't know how we put that into a scent but you know i, I don't either but i did it <laughs> But keep my mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) Look at RC. (laughs) RC, you're horrible, man. And hey, let let me segue over. Speaking of uh, new ventures, like the scent guy, guy is doing a new venture, man. Congratulations, um, um, partnering with Western Hunt Fest, dude. Yeah, man. Um, jumped on with the boys at the uh, end of last season and. Um, was a part, you know, just, just being a part of it. And I'm like, look, I want, I want in, I want, you know, I want to do more for this event. So, you know, we, we, the three of us linked up and, you know, here we are, man, trying to swing for the fences. The event grew, um, you know, pretty good last year. And this year we're swinging for the fences, trying to double last year's growth and, uh, make it the place to be, man, to test, to test your, uh, your mental prowess, your physical prowess, your, your, uh, behind your weapon. Um, and that was the reason that it was started, right? It was, it was to take that, that fun of 3d archery, um, and, and hunting season prep and just put it in one place. Right. And really we want to be the litmus test on whether folks are ready for season. So, um, added some venues this year and going to stretch the legs a bit. And, um, so you have venues here in New Mexico at the Whittington center. There's going to be a venue and, uh, Colorado Springs at air force Academy. There's going to be a venue in Reno, Nevada, a venue in Flagstaff, Arizona. Correct. Flagstaff. We, no, uh, I, I'll cut you off at Flagstaff. So you're okay. good at the air force base Flagstaff. Right. We're working on, not sure if it's going to be there. Solidified events right now are Whittington center and Ratone. Um, we're going to shoot, uh, have a shoot at cameo on the Western, uh, slope of Colorado, Reno, Nevada, uh, at Silver Arrow Bowman. And then, uh, we're going to bring it back to the original venue for the championship in Bailey at Bailey. the end of season. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. And, and for so, people that don't know about Western guy. Hunt Fest, it's a 3D shoot that has, it, it's family oriented. There's so many cool things and, and they have a signature event in, is a pack out competition and, yeah. Um, pack out challenge. Pack out challenge, man. And what a great event that is. And mm-hmm. I just, I really love the fact that because there's so many people that say, Oh yeah, I can go in two miles. I can go in three miles and I can pack <laughs> one of them critters out. And then you go do that pack out challenge, which is a mile and a half, right? Yeah. Roughly. Yep. Yeah. About a mile and a half. And you got to get that critter from one side to the other and your equipment. And, um, you find out real quick. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was really the, the idea behind it, right? Is to bring everything we do in the field into this event preseason, add to the 3D shoot and really test it. So yeah, we got the pack out challenge, um, our elk calling comp, right? I mean, you know, the three of us, Ephraim, Jeff and myself, we're all elk fanatics. So we got the calling comp. Uh, we're adding a sprint challenge this year. Um, so some folks, you know, weren't up for the miles. 
Um, but we wanted to give an opportunity for points for the championship and this big prize package we're putting together. So we added a sprint challenge. Um, and as we dial that in, we'll, you know, we'll let folks know about it, but yeah, we're pretty excited about it. And then we have, where can they uh, find information on that, bud? Uh, westernhuntfest.com, um, or reach out to me on, you know, on Western Contours. You can reach out to Efren on Pack Amount Apparel. Um, and we'll be happy to answer any questions, get you signed up. Registration is going to kick off here pretty soon. Um, folks are interested, you know, please jump on, take a look at it. You won't be sorry. That Pack Out Challenge is something else. We can probably put something on that in our booth because, um, this will be the first time Elk Bros, y'all, will be at the International Sportsman's Expo in Denver. You Coloradians, man, we have so many of y'all. Again, thank you. Like This goes back to thanking everybody. We have so many of y'all that listen in to the show and stuff. And uh we're going to be at that International Sportsman's Expo in Denver, January 11th through the 14th. I'll be doing a couple of seminars. We're going to have some swag. We'll be doing podcasts right there in the booth. So if you're uh, around in January, come visit us there. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to let it go, Joe. Sorry. I'm going to back us up back to uh, Hunt Fest. Uh, okay. But we do, we have our elk calling seminars. So um, yep. that was a big deal last year and, and we'll see where Joe goes, but uh, it might be a, a elk bros run thing at all our events. So we're hoping to, nail that down so yeah the only, yeah we'll get all that worked out but man i love doing the seminar there and uh it's such a neat event and you mm-hmm. know the the way that we include people in that uh i'm looking forward to them is this uh armando with you guy in the first page of yeah. the website yeah bo hitch was there yeah bo hitch is there. yeah that's armando that's shout awesome. out to armando too for hooking my boys up yeah he changed our North life man. Yeah, shout out to Mondo and the Bo Hitch guys, man. They hooked my boys up up north. We appreciate it, Mondo. Um, uh, thanks a lot for all you do for us and cuz carrying your bow sucks. He changed our yeah. game, bro. Now he's changed our rifle. He's got a he's got a nice rifle now. Yeah. For a rifle, I'm gonna right? have to check that out too. Yeah, sure. right. Yeah. Very cool. Especially if I start doing more rifle hunting, that's for sure. Let's rock, man. Well, Joe, let's get this party started and head over to the Elk Bros mailbox. I'll take the first one. Uh, Mr. Bill Steiger from Grants Pass, Oregon. He said this last podcast, you talked about mental fortitude, which I do agree is key. We refine our shooting and physical ability through practice. But how would you suggest a person practices, refines, improves on their mental fortitude? Are there specific exercises that someone can do and how one gets prepared? I want to hear if anybody else, what comes to your mind on this, because I've kind of talked about this before and I I have some suggestions, but I'm, I'm yeah, I'll, I'll lead what I, what really drives and motivates me is to not let my teammates down. Right. And, uh, that really what drives and motivates me. Um, and I know what the grind looks like. Uh, I've been injured. I've been sick. I've been, and I went through it all this year as well. It'd be injured, sick. Um, we dealt with all of those things. You just got to know that you can last one more day. And I really pride myself on being able to push. I, like I said, a lot of times I'm not very fast at what I do, but I have a, I make a plan and we execute the plan. And generally 
things work out. I possess a skill set where I can call elk um, to me. So that helps, man. But your preparation before you get on that mountain, I can't say, especially bow hunting elk, right, in September, the real, and, and even first part of October, you being able to speak the language is so important when you get on the mountain that that will that will cover a lot of bases. And then you being able to understand your surroundings, the preparation we do, the things that we do to get prepared for the area that we're hunting in. You know, if you know you're going to be at 12,000 feet, you better do a bunch of cardio, you know, because it's going to, it's going to whip your at tail. At 12,000 feet. <laughs> do what, Bubba? You said do a bunch of cardio. And I said at 12,000. Yeah. And it's hard yeah. to, it's, you know, it's hard <laughs> to manage that, man. You know, you got to do the Carl Gamage cardio where you put the Walmart bag over your head and tie a knot in it and poke a hole in it. You know, I mean, that's the Carl Gamage cardio. I, it never did work for me. I looked crazy and people called the law on me and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I tried it, you know, I and mean, we're not sponsored by Walmart y'all. Yeah, no. <laughs> But I think we're missing what he's asking here, though, man, because he's saying, like, you know, we refine our shooting. We do reps. Um, We if we want to get in shape, there's there's things that we can do to get in shape. There's exercises we can do. There's exercises that we can do for our Mm -hmm. shooting. There's exercises we can do for our calling that, you know, are there exercises that somebody can do to improve their mental fortitude? Sure. I, I mean, I think that's, oh, I mean, if we just, if we just reference, yeah. if we just reference what he's talking about, right? In exercise and our shooting is we like to stay in our limits, right? Everybody, I shouldn't say yeah. everybody. That's yeah, a hell of a generalization, right? right? You gotta, you gotta be able to put yourself in a position to where you're uncomfortable as you're doing those things. Mm-hmm. And the more uncomfortable you are and the more you succeed at the those things, the better that you, that you get. Now, the thing that I don't think you can prepare for is getting your butt kicked out there on the mountain. Cause that's really where it starts to drive home. Right. Is, is, and, you know, it's one thing to prepare. In what way, way? In what way are you getting your butt and kicked? And that's where it's, say, say it's, say it's quiet, right? Say it's yeah. quiet. The elk aren't the air quotes, the elk right. aren't talking, yeah. right? Or you're looking around, you're going, Oh man, there's all these hunters, right? That's when you just have to suck it up at the end of the, it, it's easy for me to say, because I've done it for so many years solo. Right. right. Um, I know how it feels to give into those stresses and that's really, yes. And that's really what keeps me motivated because the, the regret at the end of season of not going in that drainage or up that hill or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. beats you a lot harder than just saying, man, I got it in me. Now, if you got to pick, you know, give yourself a little pat on the back and, and kick back for, you know, a few hours one day and, yeah. you know, call yourself a few names and realize that you're just crying. Um, that's where I find it, man. I don't know that there's any real preparation outside of looking back and understanding. And this is funny that this question came up because I didn't read it, yeah. but I was thinking about this today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the, you know, the, one of the things that I'm, I'm sure all of us learned through life is I've never done anything worth doing. That wasn't hard to do. No doubt. And anything that I accomplished, it was because I never gave up on it. Well, and right? it's because we you failed. You have to have that it. mindset. And which because we got better at it because we failed so much. 
You know, we, we, we failed every, yeah. a lot of times and that's how. Yeah. But failing, but failing at something, but failing at something and preparing yourself for those situations, I think are different. It's and the failure mechanism about, that helps you prepare for it the next time. Right? When you're talking about exercises to do it, you know, I, I liked what Guy was saying well, as far as, and, and I think it's so true that it's human nature to practice the things that we're good at and avoid the things that we're not good at. And when you do that and you end up in a situation of frustrations because now those things that you avoided are like right. they're, they're shining, they're, they're magnified. Yeah. yeah, those they're weaknesses, man. And I, and, and I agree. I think no matter whether it's the physical thing or whether it's the shooting thing or um, whether it's the calling thing, you have to find those things within that that are difficult for you and overcome those because that is an exercise in facing things that are possible frustration. You, you don't know? know it till you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, here's, here's how I feel about this. I, I feel like we blame other things, other people, the animals, the woods, the weather for our own frustrations and incompetence, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's what we do as our out. Or we just say, you know, and, and what I mean, we blame sometimes we're like, okay, I'm done. I'm quitting right here because of A, B, C, and D of something else that I'm putting the blame on rather than myself, right? So I think this happens daily in our lives. I think the best exercise, and I think I've said this before, is you pick days. Pick a day. I don't care if it's Wednesday, hump day, Thursday, Saturday, and you make that a no-out day where you don't take outs. In other words, when you have a problem that comes up, for you, you don't put it aside. You don't let it go to the wayside and then focus someplace else. You take that problem that is difficult and frustrating because that's what we do. We like to avoid frustration. We like to avoid things that make us feel bad. And you have all to of us. And, and deal no, with no, it. No, no, I, I can't do it. I mean, I'm not built that way. I, when I got something bothering me, I got to go take care of it. So but, that's but just my then, mental makeup, right? But but that's called, you know, dealing and doing workarounds. I think that is the key to dealing with frustrations in the Elkwoods. I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons I really believe in some of the successes I've had is not necessarily because I'm any more skilled. I think it's just the attitude, the willingness to do a workaround, to find a way to, you know. I, well, I, no doubt you you have this will uh, that's un, uncanny, but your skill set you possess, uh, being able to speak the language is huge. Oh, absolutely. When people, can, when but, people can't, but you put you up point, against a guy that can't. It's there different. was a point when I started this that I didn't have that skill set. I understand. I mean, I understand. so yeah. all, all it was then was it's like, okay, if I'm not able to get it done this way, or if those animals aren't here, where the heck are they? And are they? Yeah. Why aren't mm -hmm. I there? So it's just, it's just, but what are specific exercises I can do? And, and I, and that's what I'm saying is when you have a problem and it looks like it's something you're not able to do, work on doing a workaround, work on finding I it. Like or when you yeah. get, when you get to that wall, mm -hmm. just push through the wall, right? Cause that's a lot of times with that mental, when you're on the mountain, you know, it's just a matter of saying, I'm doing it. 
One right. more yard. Yep. Yeah, one just, more you know spread. what I mean? Put your – I don't care. Look at your feet, right? Mm-hmm. If if you're looking and, and you got to get out to the end of that ridge so you can text or FaceTime Joe and Gil, yeah. right, and it's five miles out and it's hell getting there, look down at your feet, man. It is just one step, one at, a step time, at a time, man. right? Just go. Can't tell you how many days I looked at the back of Joe's feet, man, and I don't even want to look up because I know what's coming, <laughs> man. But it's one step at yeah, a time. And I – I knew that if I could go one more step, I could get there, you know, one more step, one more, but it's an, it's an attitude that you adopt when you do this because this shit is hard, man. It is hard to do people that elk hunt with a bow and do it the way we do it. It's hard. And you got to prepare yourself for that hard. And like Guy said, day three, day four, it will slap you in the face like a crappy mop, man. And it, it you have to push through. If you don't, it'll break you. And and listen, guys that are just starting out, it's okay. You you you'll figure this out, and you don't don't quit. You know, keep moving forward. If, like I said, you need a little break. You need to go talk to yourself. You need a little mental health afternoon or whatever it is, man. Take it. Take it and figure some things out and understand that, you know, if you keep working hard, you guys got this, man. Sometimes just working hard's enough, you know, and uh keeping your head down and, and hustling is sometimes it's enough. But it is, I think it's a mindset, Joe. It's a mindset that you learn and you adopt. And, and you have to exercise that time. mindset in your yeah. everyday life because you only have so many days during the elk season. So you have to exercise that mindset. You know, R.C. Knox and what he does out on that ranch comes across problems daily, daily. And problems that when you first look at them sometimes are problems that look like they're insurmountable obstacles. There's things that you're just not able to control and you're not able to control nature. You're not able to control, you know, somebody else's prices. You're not able to control somebody getting sick. There's all of these things, but yet he continues to move forward. So that's what I mean. Like RC, like for you, when you have problems, uh, and and this is what I see as an exercise. I see this as mental fortitude. You know, it's easy yeah. for us to go, screw it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh one of the things that uh I picked up on and a lot of people will take and um bottle this stuff up, I mean in your everyday life, and they'll either go to the gym. Or they'll go, they always have some kind of an out, you know, to where they can have this release and, and. Oh, to clear their head, right? right? To clear their head, exactly. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you could actually do in the woods is pick up a damn big stick and just start beating the tree. Who knows? A damn bull might come in. (laughs) Yeah, right. Manano did that and called in a wolf. (laughs) <laughs> Work in Canada. You know what's you know what's funny is I go to the woods to clear my head. You yeah, know? yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Time, yo. yeah. Best place exactly. to do it, man. That's what I, love I have some it. of the best talks in the world with me and the good Lord right there in the middle of the woods. You bet. You know? but, and but some of it's like a, a butt chewing on my part and I feel it all over me. So yeah, it's a big, big, big relief. I, I kind of liked RC's take on it because right. I mean, it, it sounds cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, um, 
on the mountain as in life, right? And you really have to adapt or adopt your pursuit to life. And I mean, and that's one of the things that I've loved about elk hunting, right? Is, is my growth through elk, elk hunting and how I tackle things. I mean, it, it's a lifestyle. It legitimately is a lifestyle mm-hmm. as cliche as that, uh, that may sound, but. Well, I think yeah. we're kindred spirits too, a lot of us, right? Mm-hmm. So we adopt that, mm-hmm. that lifestyle and that kindred spirit that we know. I mean, we look at one another and we know. I knew when I saw you after 14, 15 days, God knew what you were going through, right? <laughs> I knew that anguish. I felt it all over you, you know. Mm-hmm. I prayed for you every night that you could get a little bit of release out of that, you know. And, uh, you know, one of the best coaches in our squad, I mean, but that mountain had give him all he wanted, you know. It'll and, take uh, it. And It'll yeah. take it. You, guys, you yeah. just got to give it. Yeah, yeah. I, and look, he is. never backed down. Never back down a second, you know. I just feel like, man, that I I don't believe in the C word, and we used to. I used to not allow. I used to not allow. Oh, my athletes to say can't for any reason. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. it just to me when somebody says I can't do something, it doesn't mean that they're not able to do it. it. Means they're not willing to try. And you know, for me, I honestly truly believe and live by the fact that if there's a will, there's a way. It might be hard. It might be difficult. It might take me a while. I might need some help, you know, but yeah. where there is a will, there is a way. And, and I, I would just tell you that, you know, Bill, is that, you know, in your everyday life, when you come across things, there is your exercise. There is the things that you can do to work on refining your mental fortitude is that when something comes in, in front of you that looks like a roadblock, don't say I can't do that. Find a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. So great advice. Exactly. Great that's advice. That's great a- advice, Jim. All right. Uh Abby Chavera, Gillette, Wyoming. When rifle hunting in October, our dates were the thirteenth through the nineteenth here in Wyoming, with both a cow and a bull tag. Do you think the elk will come in with calls at this time of season? And if so, would it be better to do roundup bugles or cow calls only? Thank you. God bless you guys. I just hunted those dates. So, um, the elk were pretty quiet. The bulls were, they fire up in the mornings and at night, but the cows were very callable. So I used lost calf calls, lost cow calls, and then Did it work? A, a short, oh, absolutely it worked. Yeah. 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 And, and it no, kind no of problem. I had no problem calling elk. I'm not using time. roundup bugles. No, I, man. Yeah, I'm not using roundup bugles. So no. well, I, I actually did a big, like, challenge bugle and got the lead cow to come to me doing that. Sounded like a big herd bull. And, and then the lost calf call. And the lost calf made those cows, all 44 of them, come from 850 yards to dang near across the fence on us. I mean, it was the most unbelievable sight I've ever seen in my life. A herd of 44 cows stampeding down the mountain to come find that calf that was lost. Crazy how that worked. So, so the answer And I'm is- texting Joe the whole time. You're not going to believe this, dude. Because <laughs> I'm really kind of screwed. I'm out in the middle of nothing. Wow. Really got not much cover. As soon as I make a pipe, they're going to know we're there, right? So it needed to be something that was, you know, that was going to draw the cows to me because they had all the bulls, you know, and uh, there were six bulls in that group. And 
we called them. I mean, if we don't got a fence in our area, we we're celebrating over one of the biggest bulls I've ever seen in my life. You know, but wow. that, the fence nope. line held it up. No camera, a no video, no proof of it. Well, it's hard to video when you got all that other stuff going on and trying to get Mr. Howard lined up and stuff like that. I mean, it was tough. Uh, mm. I would have loved to have had all that on video. Manano wants receipts, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> so the answer to this <laughs> question is, is... The answer to that is we need a cameraman. That's the answer yeah. to that. <laughs> the answer yeah, to the, the answer question... Is cold. <laughs> cold is the answer, I think. The answer is heck yes. The answer is yes, um, elk will come into calls at this time of season. I don't always depend on it, um, during, you know, you can get lucky and sometimes, um, the rut starts to go a little bit later and, and there's still bulls that are with the cows and things are going. I mean, it was this year. It was like there were a lot of, um, estresses that were happening and bulls were screaming still. Now, once you get towards the 19th, it's getting hard, man, because a lot of those big guys have started splitting off and you're going to see a lot of these younger bulls with them. And, you know, those other big guys are going to go into holes. I use calls for a different thing there just to maybe stand them up or something if I need to, but it was crazy seeing them that late all, you know, all gathered up, Joe. I mean, bulls still in bachelor groups. It was, uh, it was nuts seeing it. Well, I didn't, and I don't think, I don't think that was a bachelor group you were seeing. Bro, I think you were seeing bulls with a bunch of cows still. No, I'm talking about the four or five other younger bulls that were together that we saw. Correct. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're satellite bulls, you know, younger bulls, but they're all together. They ain't with cows, and they ain't generally, with a herd. Generally, during this time, you're going to start seeing those big guys go off, and you're going to see these smaller bulls that are going to start acting like you know pseudo herd bulls and. They're going to get in there and, and start feeling their oats practicing for the next year, and they're still bugling, you know, but they're basically still – they're not necessarily breeding, right? Yeah. That's not I think that. something that happens too, Joe, is these older bulls that were the herd bull, they've been run down on, and some of these four- and five-year-old bulls that are still pretty randy whip them, you know, and they take the herd, and they cast them out to the side. So a lot of times you can get one of them older bulls to come take a look, you know, at least come out and look, see what's going on. I mean, when you're with a rifle, you, if you're within three or 400 yards of it, you know, and, and look, it's, I didn't ca- call a lot. It was just light cow calling just to, you know, kind of cast around out there. It wasn't like insistent until I got eyes on them and then it got insistent. So it's basically she's hearing that you're using cow calls, right? Yes. Um, yes. you can use, like, cow. if you have bulls with cows and you're trying to pull the cows to you, you can sound like a dominant bull and maybe pull yeah. those cows over to you. You tried that as well. Yeah. Um, so that kind of works. And, and remember, it's rifle season. We're really just yeah. trying to get them to sound off and be in a position where we can get a shot within, yeah. you know, our effective range, right? And, and try to slip in and around them, you know? Yeah, the the best part is, man, is just having them sound off so that you can move in on them, right? That's so right. I I think I think the cow calling is is really great. I think that's the way to go with it. Um, yeah. you can bring cows to you with the calf calls, with the cow calls. Um, I wouldn't do any kind of roundup bugle, location bugles. Yes, you can do that early in the morning in the dark to get them to sound off a little bit. Yeah. You know, things like that. But right now we are October, what right now? 26, 27 26. right now. Yes, sir. 
Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing right now is is a lot of small raghorns that are still with the cows. And we're starting to see now these other bulls starting to bachelor up. I just had three giant herds cross the highway when I was coming home the other night. One giant herd of cows with a few spikes in it. Another giant herd of cows with a few spikes, maybe a rag. And then we hit another group and it had to be about 14, 15 bulls that were already bachelored up. So that's already happening at this time. So when you're, when you're cow calling and you get a response of the cows doesn't necessarily mean this time of year that they're going to have a bull with them. And the bulls that are going to be with them a lot of times can be smaller bulls. So it just depends what you're after, right? right. Yeah. Now, if you have both a cow and a bull tag, you're in high cotton, right? Yeah. Because think, yeah. you get in on them and you got a choice to make, you know, hopefully there's a small mm-hmm. bull with them. If so, you know, you can pop, pop. I mean, you, you got a twofer right there, right? If there's yeah. just cows there, well, you can punch that tag and continue hunting looking for that bull. So it's the high cotton thing. So I don't have to bend down to pick it up. I can just stand straight up. <laughs> That's exactly it. Bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Less work, man. Less work. <laughs> Less work. Up next. Thanks, Abby, for that question. Yeah. Uh, Craig Sauer of Spokane, Washington. Does the overall size of bugle tube add to the projection or volume in general for improved locate calling or would you be able to get more volume from just using a different diaphragm, like a thicker, tighter stretch latex or bow. I, I know, I know that guys just dying here. Look at this. So I got some, I got some data, man. My sound guy, I wish I could have dropped that before this season, but my sound, the guy that's doing the sound for that whole test series, um, he just, he had some other obligations. So it fell behind and I'm not going to give up everything. Size, size, yes, it matters, but it's very, very minor. What I will say is material, 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 um, is, is the biggest factor. Um, density of material is one of the biggest factors that we saw in the testing that we did across a wide array of bugle tubes. Um, there is some design factors. Um, if you're just taking a wiffle ball bat. You know, you're, you're going to have to have some Joe Gillia lungs. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, dense material and, uh, back pressure. I don't want to give, yeah, yeah, you know, yes, it matters, right? It absolutely yeah. matters. Yeah. But when we're talking just the tube, gotcha. repeatability from yeah. two callers in this, right? It was about, it was about material and, and it was, it was so obvious after, call it number five out of almost 10 different tubes um, that the material and the design had a lot to do with it. It was pretty interesting. So, so I don't want to give up at all because that's still coming, but yeah. So let's, let's take, let's take the whole tube part out of it and say it's just one tube, one single tube. Can the change in the type of latex of the diaphragm give you more volume? You can yeah. get to higher pitches yeah, well, with certain diaphragms. And, and more you know, decibel. Yeah, you, know, you take higher, a thicker layer frequency. you're able to put on, man. You absolutely yeah. can get more volume. Yeah. yeah, look, I mean, I did all of my cow calling and calf calling with the sugar. 
It's just made for it. But if you're going to go blow 10 bugles on that, you can't cow call with it anymore. It just stretches it too much. Right. So either. Yes. You you can go, you can go to the grinder, get all of that. Right. Uh, just won't have as soft a core with the cow and calf sounds. Right. The burn them red. I mean, this, this call right here can do all of it. And, uh, it's amazing. Great sound, great tone, great cow calls, great calf calls, great buzz. I mean, and gray bugles, you know, and it holds up. It's a thicker latex. But if we're talking volume, the thicker the latex, the more the volume, because you're able to put more pressure on it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That's definitely an equation. So if you're trying to reach out strictly just for location, trying to get out there distance, and and be careful about that. Everybody thinks that you got to send calls way out there, you know, and, and, Elk hear better than we do anyway. And sometimes you could actually have elk way out there responding that you're not even hearing respond. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, uh, it's not always that you just want to go way out there. You can also, you know, you always, we always want to do our calls from right. far anyway. So that's something that, you know, you might want to think about. It's the benefit. Of really bouncing that out. I think if you find better areas to call more than depending on your tube, and like if you're calling over bowls, if you are bouncing off the walls of canyons, if you're calling into areas that are boxes that it's going to reverberate in and you're going to be able to hear those sounds coming back to you better because yeah. of that style as well too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I and whether you got high stuff, pressure guy. and whether yeah, you got I, high I, pressure or low pressure too. I got a I got a question though. What what if if you look at the question mm-hmm. and and Joe when you said you know or I, one of you guys said I'm sorry I had to get up. I heard my wife go no. And I thought something really was wrong, but she's on the phone with my daughter right, right now. <laughs> um, is they hear different than we do, right? So what what are we really asking? Like you know, is this is it even a necessary? I don't want to say it I'm like that, right? It, like it. Is it necessarily what we should be focusing on with this question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be, and, and we, we hear it all the time, right? Where you get a guy and he's piping off a locate and that locate is like 30 seconds long, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which no bull lasts 30 that, seconds long. You know what I mean? Me. Yeah. That would be me. I'll crank yeah. out a locate and go all the way from Florida all the way up to Connecticut. Yeah. Man. But, 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 but you have, but you're, but you're embellishing through that, right? Yeah. With your double bugle and things like that. Yeah. And you're coming up and down and it's not just, yeah. it it kind of reminds me of, remember when you're a kid and you go, in a fan. Yeah. No, you do that until you <laughs> okay. run out of breath. Right. That's how some of the locates. Sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. that long in length, right? So, so what, you know, what, most what, bugles don't last past five seconds. Right. I mean, they're, they're short, right? Yeah. So, you know, what, what is that improved locate calling? I guess mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'll still locate for five, six seconds, man. I'll that's send fine. A, that's more realistic. That's, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm saying, you but know, a 30 second one. I mean, dude, everybody's going, oh, I'd, I'd like world? to see somebody hit a 30 second one, man. Anyway, I think you could do it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, my pondering is what, what does that really mean and improve locate, right? I mean, if you're, if you're out there in the woods and you're not hearing anything and you're, and you're throwing out your locate bugle, it's not necessarily that you have a bad locate bugle. Right. 
you may be in the wrong spot. Right. You may have high barometric pressure. Yep. You know, it, they may not be responding for X, Y, or Z, yep. right? It's, it's not necessarily a bad locate. My, my thing is do your own testing. Get your tube. Go get somebody out there three or 400 yards from you. And but it, but it still and, doesn't, and but that still doesn't do it because what do you have to compare to? No, I'm just saying. What are the from two, that, if you've got you know, several different, if you got several different tubes like God did his testing, right? Then you can find out which one you like better, which way you But I had, better, but know? I had comparison. Right. Right. Because right. we had elk bugling from 30 yards away right. and elk bugling from 800 yards away. Right. And we were able to take each bugle tube and put it side by side, wavelength wise mm-hmm. to these actual elk bugles from distance. Right. And do the comparison to understand what the tubes are actually coming across. Now it's still our ears. So it was a, it was a test in distance and are our sounds carrying as their sounds carry as we put the wavelengths together and side by side through all these tubes. Right. So it was poor man scientific, if you will, um, just to understand what we're doing, you know, versus what the elk are doing and what they're hearing. And I can't, I mean, really why too, we did there, a lot of times people mistake the sound that they're hearing in some of these tubes because it reverberates in there and it's close to us and it's close to our mm-hmm. ears and it does reverberate in there. You know, it's taking that sometimes for volume that's going out. That was, that was very interesting in doing that. Right. So as I started to kind of edit this stuff together for the sound guy and I was hearing it and I'm like, wow, that's a trip, you know? And, and like I said, it was two of us. So as I'm listening to my buddy do it, I, I remember what he sounded like, you know, here, here, or here with this tube. Well, then when I heard it on the recording and, and, you know, the mics are 150, 200 yards away, it was like, what in the world was that? Right. Yeah. I mean, totally different sound. It was, it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Really. Well, and I think, I think the, you know, the overall gist to the question is, does the size of the bugle tube and, uh, add to the projection of volume. I don't necessarily think that adds as much projection to the volume as it does the stretch you got on that latex. I think no, it's it, it, it it a factor. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a big factor, but I would, like I said, to me, it was, it was material. Yeah. Right. Definitely material. Material. Yeah. All right. Let's rock, man. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for our Elk Bro shout out. Shout out to our followers in a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Yes, sir. But man, it is back. The spin a winner wheel. Oh, the spin a winner wheel. Yes, sir. We're going to, we're going to reward some of our reviewers. Um, for those folks that leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a comment on our YouTube channel, what we're doing is putting those people's names and where they are from, and we're placing them in our Elk Bros Spin a Winner Wheel. Guys and gals, we are going to spin. The winner's going to get a Wapiti River Outdoors call, a Travis O'Shea special there. And awesome. the, for the first time, somebody is going to get... They're going to get a first edition of our Elk Bros Burnham Red call um, made by Native by Carlton. Our friend Mark over at Native by Carlton has created a signature call for us. This is one of the first. It is our only medium frame offering that we have. All right, here we go. Spinning, 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 spinning. 
Richard Williamson. Pike County, Kentucky. Pike County, Kentucky. Got some calls coming your way. Sweet. Congrats, Richard. Yeah, congratulations. Start using them now, Rich. Yeah. Let's go. All right. So let's head to our top listening cities here, man. Our top listening city most commonly associated with the – how do you say that, Gil? What is it? Bakken. 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 Bakken is located at the near confluence of the Yellowstone and Missouri Rivers. Originally called Little Muddy, the local recreation area has an indoor wave machine. This blew my mind for surfers Been and there. boarders. Y'all, the Lewis and Clark expedition passed through this area. They were not wakeboarding. They weren't surfing in 1804. And this is Williston, North Dakota. Yeah. Williston, North yeah. Dakota. Another interesting fact, there's more millionaires per capita in Williston, North Dakota than anywhere in the United States. Really? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because <laughs> I, I serviced all them oil wells that are up there, brother. <laughs> you know, and people, they ain't, they ain't drilling for hundreds of barrels of oil. They're drilling for thousands of barrels of oil a day. You on know what's place. weird is I heard that same comment about Gallup, New Mexico, and I'm not sure why. Well, but... that may have changed, Joe, because, I mean, Gallup, New Mexico has got a lot of oil production under it, that's for sure, but the Bakken Shell has produced a lot of millionaires that were just sod farmers from back in the day, man, and uh, now they ain't sod farming no more, man. They got the fattest cows and the nicest grass, and, you know, I mean, those people are reaping the benefits of the good old black gold and crude oil that's come out of our ground that we keep needing to keep getting more of. That's for sure. Next up, this small town is located in the heart of the fertile Tualatin Valley. It's part of the Portland metropolitan area and it's an agricultural paradise and it's home to the Pacific Northwest oldest golf course, Forest Hill. But folks staying at the Grand Lodge Beware, because of the ghost of a white-haired woman in a print dress and slippers, just might come visit it. This is for Cornelius, Oregon. Joe, what is this? Oh, you got to explain it. You got to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Grand Lodge is between Cornelius and Forest Hills there. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go there. And there's known for a ghost that people see there. I ain't doing it. Here's Gil. No spooks. No hainted hainted stuff for me, buddy. What what, what is hainted, bro? What is hainted? Haunted turned from Texan. Hainted. Hainted. Straight hainted. We ain't doing it. Yeah. So so Gil stayed in room number 30 of Eagle Nest, New Mexico. Never again. Never again, never again <laughs> in my life. What happened there, Mason? And look, man, I love the little town of Eagles Nest. Good folks, good people, great food. But I ain't staying in that hotel ever again. Never. <laughs> what Not happened, in that room. Bro? Tell us a story. Not in that room, man. It, uh, yeah, it's bad, man. So you, get this. you know, when you go to sleep at night, you know, and I sleep pretty, pretty sound. But when you go to sleep at night and you wake up in a sound sleep and your eyeballs, you're looking at the ceiling, it's black as night in there. But let me tell you something. I heard somebody sit down on the couch. It's a leather couch. I heard somebody sit down on that couch across from me. And then I 
looked up on the ceiling and it was like this demon looking down at me, man. And I'm like, what in the world? And listen, I said, my, I, I, yeah, I got chill bumps telling it. I looked up on the ceiling and I, I'm like, man, I don't know what that is, but I got to get my pistol, you know, and I'm just, my hands over there underneath me. Okay. Forget this. He thinks he's seen a demon. He thinks he's seen a ghost. And his first reaction is, I'm going to get my pistol. pistol. Yeah. Anyway, I got my pistol in my hand and then I noticed, I heard, like I told, like I said before, I heard something sit down on that sofa that's across from me. And I mean, it's like, it's like you can hear the leather stretching. Dude, I shot straight up and turned my light on, you know, and now I'm freaked out. I'm like, I I know, and, and it felt like something pushed mm-hmm. down on my end of my bed. That boy was into a like, bottle of black label so deep. Negative, <laughs> negative ghost rider. I was not even high, not even high or drunk or anything like that. Oh, and so this went on, man. I went back to sleep and it woke me up again We're in about an hour. Tired, and, a half, dude. and, uh, yeah, it, and, it woke me up three times and I had to get up all three times and go look throughout the, I mean, dude, it was such a presence in there. Right. And then I got the feeling like, well, okay, even if there is a presence, it's just wanting me to acknowledge it being here. So man, I'm telling you, I hit my knees and I got to praying and uh, like my mama would do and man, casting out all these demons and everything, dude. And it finally got me to where I could go back to sleep. And, uh, Anyhow, that stuff's for real, Joe. You don't mess with spirits and hated stuff. No, man. no, hey, look, look, I, you know, spirit world's real. I'm a believer, man. I'm a believer. Well, Joe said apparition. I was like, well, damn. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. All right, Gil, you're up next, man. Up next, this town is a transportation center located in a major coal mining region that was named after a Civil War battle in New Jersey. During the Civil War, residents torched their homes and moved out to keep Union soldiers from using their supplies. Though it gets mixed up with familiar namesake up north, this city is the heart of Mercer County in Princeton, West Virginia. Princeton, West Virginia in the house. Yes, sir. Now you want to talk about Hainted? I guarantee you it's hainted with a bunch of apparitions. What? All right, Joe has me leading in with this. Uh, this is so not me. Here's some pretty cool facts. <laughs> hey, you know what? You sounded so good right there. You ought to you ought to work on using that in your repertoire, bro. Yeah. That's funny, man. Uh, this city was the original home to the NFL Seattle Seahawks, which had its headquarters on the shore of Lake Washington for the first ten years. It was also the headquarters for Costco until the chain moved its head headquarters to Issaquah, Washington. Costco's signature brand of products bear the city's namesake, Kirkland, Washington. Kirkland, Washington. Cool. That's right. It does. That's where the name yeah, it does. Yeah. When we when we mm. went to uh, Canada, Joe, we bought a lot of stuff from Costco, and it had Kirkland's Kirkland on it. on it. Yep. Sure did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea, man. That's fact. I thought that was a pretty cool fact, guy. Apparently, because you put it in front of mine. (laughs) (laughs) I read it. I'm like, but but do it. All right, guy. Talk like that, guy. What I want you to do is just slow it down and do it with the voice. Now watch how it sounds. 
Here's some pretty cool facts. <laughs> Killer, dude. Killer, man. That's some awesome uh, stuff there. It is, dude. Okay, let's get to our main content, man. This main is what content. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go, baby. Y'all, welcome back to our series. Um with the 2023 rifle season happening, because we want to talk about rifle observations with this as well and the archery season under our belt. We're using our ongoing reflections, observations, and even some fresh takeaways that showed themselves or stood out during the season. So in doing that last week, we started out with the mental part of elk hunting and when we did that, we talked about the top reasonings, thoughts, or mental processes or breakdowns, along with the elements that contributed to those breakdowns that we feel like hurt hunter success. And what I, and I told the guys at the end there that, you know, we wanted to go ahead and finish out our thoughts on this. And it seemed like last time what we did was we talked about the problems. We didn't talk about solutions. So, what we want to do tonight in our follow-up is we want to give some ideas for overcoming and avoiding these and ways to get through that. And there were some things I actually went through and listened to the show. And there were some things that really stood out to me. Like, like Guy said, one of his answers was that in order, you know, because of the breakdown, you have to make yourself dead set on a goal. Right. Um, that's one way that he says, you know, I don't care if it's deer, elk, antelope, whatever it is, got to say what it is you're going to do and you got to be dead set on accomplishing that goal. Right. So the first thing I wanted to do is when I hear something like that and I hear people talk about goals all the time and a lot of times people set a goal without a road to accomplish that goal. Yeah, you got to have a plan. Yeah, they don't have a plan to be able to do that. So they're either disappointed or or they, they either accomplish it or they don't, right? So how do you make yourself dead set on a goal? What does that look like? What is it dependent on? And how do you make it a win either way? Or can you make it a win either way? So I wanted to toss that out, first of all. Yeah, for me, it starts with the plan. You know, you set your goal and you got to make a plan to achieve it, you know. And I'm sure God... God can elaborate even more on that. I, I would agree with that to a point, right? If if you set a big audacious goal and and you don't know how it looks a third of the way there, you sure as crap don't know how it looks two thirds of the sure way the there, way yeah. right? It, it's really hard to understand that as you go through that plan or that path or whatever that is, right? But you're never gonna you're never gonna make a million dollars with a $5 work ethic. That's what, I mean, right. You're, you're just not. And if you say, man, that's a lot of work to get to a million dollars and you're used to working your butt off for five and you quit at 20,000, you're never going to realize it because if you're willing to settle at the, at that first hiccup, hiccup, easy mark or whatever it is, you're never going to realize it. And you just have to, you just have to stick to your guns. I mean, what does it look like? It looks like a, I mean, for me on, on, on the mountain with yeah, elk, I, I, I want to apply it exactly to yeah. the elk hunt and yeah. what you were talking about. 
it it looks like a lot of tag soup, a lot of frustration. But Gil said it earlier, right? Failure, right? And that's how I look at it. And I have to be honest with myself, right? Okay, that was a failure, air quote, right? There's successes in every single freaking failure. If you can set back and look at it and say, well, I accomplished X, Y, and Z. I'm this much closer to my goal, right? right? And sometimes, guess what? You're going to be right there at the precipice, and you think you're about to hit it, and guess what? Bam, smacks you right in the kisser, and you fall back down. But what do you do? You just got to keep going. You got that close, and you're getting closer every single season by sticking to the goal. If you, and I, I think I talked to Joe about it. I think I talked to Gil about it, right? If I, I have this idea of a bull, right? And this bull is a 340 plus class bull, right? I want the herd bull. I am looking for the herd bull. I'm not setting back off of a herd cow calling and then a satellite walks in. That's not the bull I want. I want, I want the bull. If I take that satellite, I will never realize that herd bull. And every time I take the easy way out, and I go and I draw back and I send that arrow on that bull. Guess what? That herd bull is further and further and further away. I would rather fall on my face and have a air quote failure season before I give into it. And it's damn hard to do. It is okay. not easy. It's frustrating. There's times I ain't kidding you this year. I got way back in there and I'm by myself and I'm, I'm back back. And I got this bull 200 yards, 300 yards max below me screaming his head off. I realized where I was at, how far back I was. How am I by myself going to get this bull out of here? And guess what I had to do? I had to sit on that rock, cuss myself. And I was, I'm not going to BS. I was almost in tears because of the frustration, the anguish, physically, mentally beat. But, you know, you settle back from that and you go, wow. That bull was screaming his head off at me. Everything I did, he was screaming his head off. I I couldn't, even if he would have come into 10 yards, I couldn't have pulled my bow back and shot him. It had been irresponsible. That's just part of it. I'll get there, right? I'll get there, but you, you got to be dead set right. on doing it. You will. I lived it. Um, um, you know, these guys will attest, they drug my fat ass up and down that mountain many days and me passing on stuff, man. And it made RC knock livid. I mean, he can tell you, they both lived it with me. And, uh, you know, they're like, please just shoot one. It'll well, get easy. But how many, you know? how many times and, Gil, did you tell yourself, man, I should have shot it because I, I've no, said it never. I've never. said it a couple of times and I almost acquiesced and gave in to never whatever that pressure is that I just want to shoot a bull. Right. Nope. And at the end of the day, man, you're not going to be satisfied. If you, if you give into it, you got to hit it. Look, guy, I wounded a bull my first year and I didn't put my hands on him for six, eight weeks. I didn't and put my hands on him. That bull ain't hanging. Oh. You, you ain't, that's a three forty plus bull. He ain't hanging in here. He's at Ross Miller's house. I didn't put my hands on him. Ross Miller found him. You know what I'm saying? That's how committed I was. Yeah. So the goal is real, and brother, you're going to get there, right? Oh, I'm not I believe worried about that, that with you all of my that heart. That was right? screaming. <laughs> I, I believe that with all of my heart. In the the ethical part of this, is you knew that he won, right? 
and you you could have pushed that and killed him, but what are you going to do with him? Right. You know what I mean? So you knew. Joe you knew, man, I, I got myself into this pickle. Now what am I going to do? You know, I can't. There's no way I can get him out. And truth be told, man, we've we've even coached some guys that have been in that pickle. And had they not had help, they wouldn't have got him out either. You know what I mean? Go ahead, Joe, because so, Joe's itching. Yeah. Sorry, go uh, ahead, Joe. What, I, I, and uh, R.C.? What what is your goal, man? What is your goal during the season? Well, I was going to make the comment is that when we were coaching, we give the kids, uh, we'd always tell them, look, your big goal is like the big bull or whatever, Wednesday. but let's 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 make some little goals. Yeah. Let's make some achievable goals. In other words, you know, I coached the shop with. And I said, okay, you know, let's achievable goal is that you're going to throw it at least one inch further than you have in the past. And it was achieved and it was like, it was a, oh, wow, you know, I can do this. I can do this, you know? And so it's like, to me, that's, that's the main thing is that you don't, yeah, you got your big goal, but don't, let yourself down by taking and that's all you've got. What do you think the goal is for 90% of the people out there that's entering the woods with a bow in their hand? Any elk. Any elk. Any elk. Right. Yeah. That's, my goal. Down. that's my goal, though. I think most of the people are, you know, ought to be able to harvest and put meat on the, on the table. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there are, you know, like badass hunters that they have the, uh, the opportunity to hunt in an area that allows them to harvest big, big animals. But most of the people hunt in public land. So it's, it's hard to, to pass on the regular or average bull. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you take a, you take a look at, at guy's goal of a 340 bull. Do you know how hard in most of those areas it is to find that quine, that quality of a bull? I mean, mm-hmm. in in order to have that kind of goal, you need to be in the kind of place that provides that kind of animal, yeah. right? Right. I want to catch a right. ten pounder everywhere. I want to catch a ten pound bass every time I go out. But every lake I oh, fish oh, ain't got them. Of course, you. I mean, if that if you see a ten every pound bass and you feel, see a five pound, you're going to be casting at that ten pounder. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But every lake you fish ain't got them. Every area you hunt don't have them. That's you got to the do what it takes to find them. That's, that's, that's right. the thing, right? And, and I, mean, I applaud you for that. I'm never going to talk you off. Of that could list. be unit. That could be age class. Sure could. That could be genetics. That could be a yeah. lot of things. There's bro. Drought. Drought. There was there was two bulls out of the umpteen freaking bulls that that we were into. There was two bulls that were. One was really close to that if he wasn't just over it. And there was one that exceeded that. And that's the one that, that bullied me bad. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp. 
This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. So, they're there. And, and, and that's your goal. So, that's you. That's how you feel. and That's what you set yourself at. Mm-hmm. But when we take a look at people giving up during a hunt. Most of the people aren't, you know, their goal that they're dead set on isn't necessarily a 340 bull. It's to be able to get close and to harvest an animal or shoot or kill an elk, right? Okay. that That's their goal. So if they make their self dead set on that, that that's what they're going to do, what does that look like? What is it dependent on and how can they make it a win it, whether they accomplish that goal or not, right? And and you already talked about part of that. You said that there's a lot of wins during the hunt, right? Just encounters, man. If you are constantly into animals, right. that is a huge a win because I mean, elk hunting is about opportunities. It's about odds, right? right? Think about all the folks that say they haven't heard, seen, smelt Correct. an elk. Yep. Right. I mean, More the win there, you put yourself in the position, right? And, and I, and I'm, and these generalizations, I, and I hope no one finds them offensive. It's not what I'm, I'm trying to do here, but people get dead set on an area because they see one or two pieces of sign. You know, we talk about it all the time. You know, get out of the area. If you're not seeing that, you're not having success move. People get set in these areas and that, you know, one mile move, it doesn't really do it. And I, and I witnessed it this season with, with a couple of different camps and guys would, you know, you talk to them and it's like, Oh, I'm not seeing nothing, but then they're only half mile, maybe a mile away from where they were dropping into the same drainage. Yeah. You're going to have the same result. You're in the same drainage. You know what I mean? And they're, and they're not, I, they're not dead set on the goal. Is is my opinion of it? Oh, they're right? pretty much just dead my set opinion. on staying where they're at. Is what they're dead. Yeah, set on, right? dead set on that goal means you. In in twelve days, we had no BS. One hundred and forty eight boot miles in twelve days. That's how dead set on that goal you have to be, right? Yeah. You can't go and do four miles in three days and tell me that you're dead set on that goal. It you don't, can it, if the elk are there. If the elk are there, yes, yeah. right. But then that goal is going to be realized a lot faster. But you can't, you you can't do that if you're in an area that's not productive. You gotta, you gotta get out of there and and no forge through. No, I, I don't know what that is. Why it's so hard for people to move? I I, I don't either. You know, I, I, 
one time I was fishing the tournament and I was going 25 miles to go catch fish. And I came in to go get some lunch to where the dock was. And I looked over at this little stretch of bushes right by where we were going to blast off. And I went, man, those look good. I'm going to go over there and fish those bushes before I get or put it on the trailer. I went over there to that, that stretch of bushes. I made three drops and oh my God, every, every bass I pulled up was five or six pounds. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at these fish right here. I've been running 25 miles one way through hell and high water. I mean, literally three foot waves and all this other. And if I got a fish tournament today, I'm starting right here, right next to me. Right. So again, you know, yeah, the the fish were up there, but I didn't need to go that far when I found the right fish where I needed to be. I won that tournament and was sitting, I was eating a cheeseburger at noon with 30 pounds in my box. You know what I mean? But you but had the experience to look over there and, and go, yeah, that looks I would have good. never known that to go unless I went over there and go, went and looked in it. It's the same. Our pre-preparation of what we do is so important. Uh, everything that we do relies on our scouting, our e-scouting, understanding where the north, you know, the northern face points, northeast facing points are, understanding your elk habitat, you know, where the feed is, where the water is. All of those things go into us being able to start out in the elk, you know. When you're not in the elk from the start, it's tough, man. Then you're like, God, you're putting on a hundred something miles on your feet, man, because you're looking for that right bull, you know. Um, we, so for, we've been kind of spoiled in places, man. We maybe uh, fire off the first I, bugle in the morning. Yeah. Boom, here it goes, you know. Uh, well, more often than not. My, my goal, like what I – one of my goals is whenever I'm out, my goal is to not be skunked in seeing or being around an elk every day. So my goal is to always be to where I see an animal. If I get skunked in a day, then, then I am not accomplishing my goal and which is in turn not going to help me to accomplish my final goal of killing exactly. an animal because I know it's odds. I know it's it's about encounters. So my goal each time is to put myself in a situation where I see at least one elk a day. And if I do that, if I'm seeing one elk, there's going to be more elk in that right. area. Right? Knox. When we when we were in Colorado, we found out where not to go, right? Yeah. For four days we found out where not to go. We can tell everybody, don't go there because there is not an animal. And the boys, the mafia was like, oh, brother, we're in them, right, deep. We're not going back in there. And they were gracious enough to go, y'all need to go in there. You know, y'all will kill something if y'all go in there. We're not going in there. They they gave us the go-ahead. Me and Knox go in there. It takes us half the day to get in there. But at the end of the day, that's on me. But we got it done. You know, there were elk there. Where we so were, Joe, where there's animals, right? In the animals. So, so Joe, yeah. I, I think the more important part of that question is how do you make it a win either way? Yeah. Right. Because, because the goals, I mean, Gil stated his, I have mine. You said yeah. what yours are, right? There, there's going to be such a range in, in those goals. Mm-hmm. You know, making it a win either way is, is the more important question there, right? And and in my head is, did you turn it around, right? From day one to four, 
Did you, were you able to make adjustments and turn yeah. that around to get you one step closer, you know, and, and, you know, did you, did your practice from one year to the next, as you learn, you know, the additions to your repertoire, the things you said, Oh, I'm not going to do that didn't work. You know, how do those look as you're going through season and just really taking those mental notes or journaling that stuff down, man, that's, well, I, that's where I the think, winds come from. I think for people with that are just starting their journey, there's a lot more of that. I mean, you know, for them to have been in the elk, even though they didn't get a shot, that's a win for them because they might yeah. have previously never been in the elk, right? Yeah. And then, you know, not only just being in the elk, but now calling an animal into them, that's a win for them, you know, because now they're getting yeah. better at that. For me, at the point I am, you know, right now in my skill set, if I don't put an animal on the ground, there is no other win for me. I just, other than the whole part of the hunt that I just love being there. But as far as my goal, you know, I don't find that other win. It is just how I am. I'm just wired differently that way. But, you know, I expect every time that I get in there, I mean, I still kick myself in the butt because I did not finish in Canada this year, you know, and, uh, I had my one opportunity in a very difficult hunt situation, a critter at 18 yards, and I popped that son of a gun on the shoulder doing something that I have should not have done. And so for me, you know, I'm still kicking myself in the butt for that because I, I don't accept that for myself. That's just me. That's just how I am. But for, for other people that are doing this, there's so many cool things that they can still accomplish, right? You know, sure. I mean, you're looking at somebody here with 41 seasons under the belt and, uh, you know, uh, a whole different. Yeah, we had guys this year in camp, Joe, that had their first season under their belt. CNL getting shoved in front of them, getting bulls called in, you know, about having a dang near die to get to them. But at, at the end of the day, that's what that's what it takes. Those guys are all the much much better for them. Our first, you know, guys in our adventure series camp, they they were so much better off, you know, this year hunting. You know, Adam kills his bull on the first year, first day last year, and then he's got fourteen days of grueling grind, you know, in front of him on the next. And we we empathize with him. We know how it feels. You know, um, it, it's it's tough. You know. Um, Nope. We were so close in Canada. A lot of us, you know, you and I got close on a big moose too, man. Got so close, but yet that rascal beat us, you know, um, the elements beat us a little bit. So I, for, for me, it's, you know, I'm kind of like Manano anymore. I'm, I'm hunting memories too, man. I'm, I'm wanting to make, make memories with my brothers, uh, call, you know, I love calling elk. And yeah, if I get one close enough, I'm, I, I, my goal was always to harvest an, any, any legal elk. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Now I see a bigger bull, man. I get real excited, you know? Um, sure. Manano, let, let me ask you a question, bud. Can a person prep for the mental draining of a long day, short night, hardly any sleep? Not a whole lot of food whenever you're used to it. How do you prepare for that before you get on the mountain? Man, it's, that's, that's a, that's a, a hard day long, man. That, uh, the preparation is just, and be out. I think, uh, and how I prepare is going out 
we got a place to hunt uh, here in Oklahoma, and I go there, I, I would say, like twice a month or three times a month. Uh, and I try to hunt the same way that we'll all be hunting on the on the mountains. So, of course, the, uh, the, the distance that we go on, those hunt, man, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about uh, uh, New Mexico. Uh, it's different, of course, but I, uh, I always take a, at least one day, one day, one morning, and just to rest, just to have like good sleep and, 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 and that, 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 that's the, the way my mind works. I need to rest. I, I would say that, yeah, that there's no, there's no other way to prepare than, <laughs> RC, it's hard. It's hard. RC, it's hard, man. It's 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 freaking hard. I I'd have to agree with Manano. I mean, you know, one of the worst things you you can have is uh, the mental fatigue, which is you know, real. It's be, real. yeah, it's real, and it's beating you every day and beating you right. every day. You know, you've got to take a little bit of time and just. What do we do? We always suck in the air. You know, we yeah. put our hands up and we just bring in the air and breathe and just enjoy the moment where you're at and, uh, you know, walk along, see a flower on the ground. It, you know, it reminds admire, you of something, you know, it, yeah. exactly. Rock. And it's just, it's just, there's a lot of different ways to handle, uh, all of that, Joe, is, you know, you've got to, Get plenty of rest. You gotta have hydrate. Plenty of food, plenty of water. There's just a lot of things that you can prepare yourself for, you know? Yeah. And and you can step back and, you know, revise what we, what, what you have done. Okay. I went this area, this area. I hunt that area. And then Mm -hmm. step back and say, okay, let's do it differently. Right. To adapt. It's funny, right? Cause I take the entire month off and I'll get to work and folks will say, how was your vacation? And I'm like, vacation. I'm going to bed at 11 o'clock to 1130. I'm yeah. getting up at three to three 30. What do you mean vacation? Yeah, this, is is not vacation. vacation. <laughs> yeah. this is a mental uh, torture game. And I but, tell but people I, that and, all the time. And I say that because Only the that's what you survive. have to prepare for. Yeah. That, that is what you have to prepare for in the off season, right? Mm-hmm. Is is the understanding that that seven, you know, and I'm and maybe I'm an anomaly, right? But that seven to ten days that that you've taken off, you're not there to get be cozy in the canvas wall tent. Right. You're exactly. not there to be exactly. snuggled up at nine a.m. at the campfire. In my opinion, right? It's no. time to go. You have this limited window of opportunity to do this really hard thing. What are you going to do at that time? Are you going to squander two and a half days because you need, excuse me for the people that do it, because you need a mental break on something that you've been dying to do for 340 days of waiting in the year, and now you're there and you want a rest day? Thank you. Some some guys have never done it before, and they do need it because it's it's wore them out, and now – now that they've gone through it one time, guy, maybe they're a little better prepared for it on the next go round. You know, okay. Exactly. If you 
if if you don't know what to expect, I get it, right? If yeah. we're talking to the first time guy, I would expect that guy to go a little bit harder, mm-hmm. maybe, right? Because they're not out the gate, geared yeah. up, right? And and maybe they burn themselves out because it wasn't what they thought, right? It was going to be right. Maybe they weren't yeah. full on prepared, but man. Seven to ten days. I waited three hundred and some odd days. Man, I'm utilizing that seven to ten days yeah. to the best of my ability. That means go, 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 go. Get yeah. beat, 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 beat. Whatever. You right. just keep going. Yeah. And that's where I think that's where Joe. And I'm making an assumption about Joe's success here, but that's where Joe succeeds is because that go, go, go. I ain't stopping. I'm out here in in a, a singlet, and I'm eating uh, peanut butter and jelly. And breaking it into fours because it's, you know, three days in the rain. <laughs> that right. go, go, go is what adds or lends itself to that. I don't want to say successful hunt, that notch tag, right? Yeah. It's not sitting in camp. I mean, it's just not. Yeah. Well, you can't kill it. them. In, I mean, you could, I guess you could, but it's very hard to do, achieve the bow hunting thing that we do by sitting in camp. I mean, look, we've had elk come through camp, but at the end, <laughs> Sniffing generators and stuff like that, but uh, it's crazy oh. the stuff that you know, we've that. seen. Yeah, I mean, if somebody had been ready, they'd have killed a, a, a bull and a cow right there. But look, I the the preparing for the that mental break, right, or uh, preparing for Hard, not no sleep and not much food to eat. Mm, I reserve the right to not do that. <laughs> I mean, so, suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I know how I like to hunt. And, uh, yeah, have we gone hungry? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been on packouts and stuff like that that's, you know, tough. But, you know, we, we're always going to have something in our pack that we can gnaw on to get us by, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go hungry, and I sure ain't going to do without water if I don't have. I mean, God, I know you kill your filtration system, so if you got a stream close by, you can get plenty of water. But I think the most important thing, though, brother, is getting your rest and hydration when we talk about being in the altitude and being in the elk woods. I mean, the Hydra- hydration and rest, I think, are your key. Especially if you're coming from someplace else, because I don't drink that much I when I'm out there. But I, I, I don't know why. I just don't really drink a whole lot. And I don't know, Joe. I got an empty bottle of peach crown that says you do. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot to be. I mean, hydration is important, right? I mean, that's huge. I mean, I'm not discounting that. Yeah. But there's a lot to be said about your mental stability and the caloric intake, right? No doubt. Most of the time we're on the mountain, we're running at a deficit, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you're not good on your calories you are going your your body's going to yeah. tank and your yeah. mind's going to tank and which one goes first Oof. that's that's the hardest to overcome is that caloric deficit the best thing yeah, i that's... best thing i can tell people man is when you're hungry you eat when you're mm-hmm. thirsty you Especially drink when you got a manano in camp and mm-hmm. well, no i'm not talking about i mean that's I'm a just joking, that, that's like yeah and uh, look i I really believe that there's a lot of ways to get your rest by changing the way you hunt to the way the elk are living. 
You know, like you're the most active when they're the most active. You're the most sedentary when they're the most sedentary. You know, take those breaks so that, I mean, there's times, man, I'm walking through the woods. I'm like, okay, I know at this point I've just got done. I've been working, getting these guys up to their bed. They're in their bed. Man, it's time for me to catch some Z's too. You know, and I, and I'll catch them at that point. And then I'm already in position. And I, I think a lot of times, I think the reason some guys get so tired is they do all of this to get out mm. there and then they got to go all, all the way back. Way back. Yeah. And, yeah. and then what are you going to do when you get back, man? You're going to hit the friggin' bed. And, and that is one of the best sleeps and it gets really deep. It's hard to get up from, you know, and you can do that mm-hmm. same thing in the mountains. So I think, mm-hmm. I think if you learn to adapt yourself to what the animals are doing out there, because that's what you're chasing is, when they're sleeping, I want to sleep. When they're resting, I want to rest. When they're being active, I want to be active. You know, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep. You know, yeah. and for skunk style. But I'm out there in the woods, man. I'm in the daggum woods. Yeah, the, I mean, uh, go ahead, guy. The a good example of what Joe was saying, right, is is if you're hearing bugles, call it from five thirty in the morning to you know seven thirty eight o'clock. And then you're said, okay, well, we heard those bugles. We know what time this is. And you got a three mile pack in, four mile pack in from camp in some pretty heavy country, but you're waiting until five o'clock to get up to make that pack in. You're wasting that time, right? So get up a little earlier, get to where you need to be when they're active in that window of time. And then when they're not active, go ahead and kick the feet up, put the head on a log or the pack and catch some Z's then. Right. But don't don't wait until, oh, it's, you know, 5 a.m. rise or right before sun. You know, no, you got to be where you need to be when they are active. I think that everybody needs to learn how to do a power nap. (laughs) Yeah. Good 15 minute power nap. Yeah. Yeah. Just to have a 10 minute power nap. Yeah. 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 RC. Now we both do that in camp a lot. You know, we get in there. We don't stay in the rack for two hours. You know, we take a 30 minute power nap and get back up. Oh. And I was saying last year, Joe, Larry Gill and I had made this unbelievable ascent through this horrible deadfall to this top of this ridge. And I mean, it was brutal, absolutely horrible. And we get up in there and it's like 9 30, 10 o'clock, 10 30. And I'm like, man, I'm tired, you know? And I'm like, are you tired? He goes, yeah. I said, well, let's get us a little bite to eat and sit down here and let's just get quiet here in the woods. I said, I'm going to take me about a 15, 20 minute nap. And he's like, okay, sounds good to me. He goes, I'm tired. So we just laid down, you know, laid down. Yeah, animals walk in on you, yeah. huh? Oh my gosh. I hear something <laughs> kicking around below me and I'm like, bear, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got a bear walking in here on me. And I look up and when I look up, it's a mane of a bull. I can see this brown mane coming out of the bushes. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's not a bear. It's a daggum bull. And then he turns his head, and he's a pretty nice five-by-four. Turns his head, and I'm like, oh, man. And I see some legs walking up behind him, and there's three other bulls, four bulls together walking up the ridge. They ain't 25 yards from me. And I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to manage this? Larry's asleep. You know, I'm like, good night, nurse. I said, I'm just going to have to let him walk on by us. You know, I said, that's the only way I'm going to, 
let this go. And I happened to have my wind snuffer bottle in my pocket and I pulled it out and hit it and the wind's going the opposite direction. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how could we get this lucky? Mm-hmm. Right. So bulls go right on past me. I reach over and grab a stick and I throw it at Larry. He right in the chest with it, about scared him half to death. He woke up and I said, I had my mouth, my finger over my mouth. I'm like, Shh. I said, bulls, 40 yards. And he's like, well, his eyes got that big around. I said, get your bow. So he rolls over and real calmly gets his bow, gets an arrow knock. I take my bugle tube and I'm laying flat on the ground and I go, yeah, yeah. Man, it's like a herd of buffalo coming off of the mountain above me, man. <laughs> Here they come and they stop 25 yards. I look, Larry's at full draw. I'm like, Oh dude, this is it. This is it. I mean, I'm ready for him to send it. And Larry decides to pass or didn't like the shot or whatever it was. But again, man, we were asleep. That's how fast that turned around. But we, it's because we were in the woods, not because you're back in the, the truck or not so, back, you know, it can't, you know. So there's two things, there's two questions I really want to get to in this, in these next 20 minutes. So I want, and, one of them is going to be on cues and the other one is this because there are people that need that mental physical break sometimes like what guy was talking about. So with such limited time, man, what part of the day or the hunt and, and I'm thinking archery and we can take this to even rifle if you want to, but, and I think it even really applies sometimes rifle, man, what part of the day or the hunt would you use to be able to get that break? If you were to give yourself time off during the hunt, what part of the day would be best to do that and why? Would it be a whole day or as a way to do that within the hunt where you're still utilizing the best hunt time? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would, I would cut the morning. I would hunt the morning early in the morning. And if I don't see, you know, movement, hear something or sign, I will, I would go back by 8.39 and then take a good rest till 3.34. Go back, you know, like five or six hours. Okay. That would be enough. So Manano's the morning period, resting in the middle and going back in the evening. Anybody yeah. else? I guess it depends on how far gone you are. Yeah, for right. Me that's, to answer that's, that's, sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say that this this past season was brutal as far as uh, getting to the area where they were. So I put together almost eighty miles 
taking out the day that I used the bike. So I was tired. I was pretty tired. Okay. Like I, 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 I took one morning, but I, uh, but, but yeah, like, like, uh, guy says it, it all depends of the, of the, of the, uh, area where you hunt and on. how bad you feel. Oh, well, so I meant, yeah, I meant how here. far gone you are mentally. Yeah. Okay, so, but the question is, what part of the hunt, would it be a day or there would be a part of the day if you needed to take that break that you feel um, would be the best time to still give you quality hunt while you're doing it? So Monano's like hunt the morning. Yeah, it, it would be, it, depend on how bad I've, I'm, how bad I'm, I'm feeling. If I'm, if I'm mentally spent, I've been, my tail's been whipped, you know, I've been so close and, it's like them three two counts when you're a pitcher, man. If you every batter you're going three two, three two, three two. These are pressure pitches you're having to come up with to get out of these jams, right? So when we talk to our athletes from my females that we're coaching softball, a game that looks really easy for them, even though they're winning for nothing, they've been in so many tight jams with the bases loaded, all of those pressure pitches drain them right they drain their mentality they drain their their physicality too um and it's the same thing with us on the mountain all of the situations we put ourselves in especially if they're stressful especially if we've been so close you know i can't tell you how many times i've been with joe and we get so close i want to cry you know it's like Man, how in the world did that not happen? RC and I in Canada, how in the world did we not put our hands on that bull? You know, we were so freaking close three but days were, in a row. What were the most productive parts of the day on that hunt? Where were the, the most, morning time was the more, most productive. Days. The most productive the, in the morning. It, right? it was the most productive for us. So okay. if we were going to take time off and we did. We did. We took a day where we didn't even go out that evening. We so, actually went grouse hunting and moose looking and stuff like that. And that helped a lot. So what, what would you like when, for me, my most productive times that I feel like are morning yep. and midday. I feel like if, if I am getting on critters in the morning and I'm following them to their bed or I get yeah. at that midday madness right in there, yeah. I think that is probably the most productive Prime time yeah, where I, I agree. I, especially as a bow hunter, because I don't really like shooting something real, real late at dark. Because then you got all the tracking problems that come in with it. If it's a marginal shot, you got to let them lay overnight. When you shoot something in the early morning or mid at mid mid morning, or even in the afternoon, you got all day to mess with it. You know. I'm right. just saying that. It, look, if I'm not going to do all day and I have to take something as far as a break, I think yeah, yeah. I can still get in quality hunt day by doing that morning, that midday afternoon. to that afternoon, and then I can actually Taking get some rest and even maybe do some night bugle and be ready for the next morning just because and, and, I've relaxed in that evening. Right. Because if I've had any time that is the least productive, it's waiting, unless you know how to get in those transition areas, I find that most people are really find themselves, I hate to race the sun, and I find no it's always racing the sun. We get on a critter, we get on them, and, man, we're trying to get yeah. into them, and before, while we still have shooting light, right? And the then light. A, a lot of times you end up in a situation where I think if you were anything and you got one located, you should probably just back out of there back and get out. out there and go get it in the morning, man, Doing because, the right. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But I, 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 that's what I would, you know, when I take a look at it, when I look at all these years, and yes, I've killed bulls in the evening, and I've killed bulls because I stay out there and I get there in the dark. But if I had to take a break, if I'm really getting worn and I had to pick my poison, I'm telling you, I'm still going to hunt that morning and try to get those boogers all over that midday. And if any place I'm going to get some rest, it's going to be in that evening time so that I'm fresh again to go at it in the morning and maybe even do some night bugling that night, you know, but I've I got agree, to Joe. Well, so what's our window in the evening? We really get down to that really crunch time between 545 and dark, right? I mean, so you're looking at a couple, maybe a couple hours of really where that crunch time comes in. Those bulls are coming down. They're sounding off up there. I mean, even in this rifle season, they would come down and it'd be slap dark three, four minutes past legal shooting light before well, yeah, they, come, I, they pop out. You I know? think a lot of rifle hunters lose out because they're not out there trying to glass them up in beds, man. I exactly. mean, I, I think... And and then so what are they doing? They're waiting for that last fifteen minutes of the golden hour for an animal to come out into a park so they can get them right and run out of light. Yeah. Now the the great thing about the rifle season is the days are shorter and the nights are longer, so you get more rest. But you talk about archery season, y'all. Archery yeah, season, man, it's not getting dark till friggin' nine o'clock, right? Man, in Canada, they don't get dark till eleven o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you hunt all day, and then most then of we night. have to cook. So, you know, Joe, cook. go ahead, Ty. And and I'm making an assumption, right? But this it sounds very base camp oriented the way we have presented it so far right if you're if you're living out your pack and you're you know you're back country um you know there there's some variation to the answers here right absolutely sure so i just want to you know be clear there right there we are talking about base camp right but but however even if i was doing it with my pack um i mean I can always sleep where I hear those critters and not yes. have to be dark, right? right? So I can relax in that. And yeah. and generally, I think I am when I talk about this because I hear from the guys that, especially people that are into the camaraderie or into the camp. And, and look, here I, f- I feel really is, you know, if, if you want to sit around a campfire, then go camping. That's how I feel. But when I'm hunting, I want to friggin' hunt. That's just how I am, right? But I do understand the camaraderie. I understand the part of that enjoyment that people get out of that, right? But, um. Get her number and call her in October. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that's, I, I just feel like if you go, if you really need that mental break, and and you have to have that. I want to give people what I feel is the best time for that to happen. If you're going to, even if you're leaving and you're going into town because you need a change of venue, man, yeah. or Do you know that. you're just going to kick it with the other guys and just relax it for a little bit in the evening, and then get yourself out there in the night, do some night bugling, and then get ready for the morning again, just to gather yourself. So this is just again for this section on the mental elk part of it. Am I saying that? You need to hunt in the morning and, and noon and then give up in the evening. No, I'm not saying that. But if you are at that point where you still want to be effective and you're having trouble getting that rest and getting up, that's where I would pick my poison. That's that's what I'm saying with that. Yeah. And again, if you're that far gone mentally, go no, go off the mountain, go get a burger, go have a pizza, go call mama, 
Go yeah. get a shower, whatever it is, right? Yeah, if you're but... that far gone, because I've seen a lot of guys do it, right? Well, they'll, they'll get to the point where they're ready to quit. And if you're at that ready to quit point, just don't quit. Go down the mountain, refuel, you know, get, get some comfort food or get RC to send you some cowboy cobbler and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and legitimately take that day, right? And, and yeah, it's a regret. You're going to miss that day, but. It is what it is. At least you but, kept hunting the rest of your Yeah, time. but another, another thing is you have to be comfortable in the woods. Uh, I, I would say that five out of the seven, eight days we had, I, I stayed the whole day in the woods. But I ha- I got my hammock and I, yeah, exactly. you know, I, yeah. I spent the whole day in the woods and I was comfortable because it was but, a long, long walk to get well, to when, the point. When Luis does that, what does he say he's missing out on, man? I mean, he'll go hunt hard. But he says that he really feels like he missed out on in the that enjoyment life. of camp, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Well, he, he, have, he, he must have like a comfortable triple <laughs> A exactly. bedroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I, know, I enjoy my hammock, but uh, that's, that's the way I rest in the, in the woods. Some of the cues for me, though, Joe, when I'm up against it, man, is I know I have to pace myself through the whole day, right? I got enough in the tank, and, you know, I have asthma. I have a lot of other things that that I know that I have to do to make myself be able to, when it's time to go, go, right? So I take it easy. I try to absorb the sign, really analyze the woods, analyze when we're in, when we're in somewhere, I'm constantly thinking, okay, well, this sign is this, or what are we picking up here? We're constantly trying to read the area and read what's in front of us. So I'll go slow, man. I, I go slow. I take my time in the area. We really dissect it. And then I really dive into looking deeper into that, right? Uh, trying to find a bedroom as well. When you, when you can find these bedrooms and stuff like that, those are like magical places that are going to turn any day are going to turn huge, you know, productive. Right. And uh, when you can find those areas and you know, the elk are frequent in them, you're going to be a lot more successful. And then, then you can really go slow, spend your time in those areas. You know, God did it this year when he was just spending his time in an area with, with uh, Dr. Bob and, and they called in a big bull that was really pretty silent the whole day but they heard him make a couple of little sounds up there in his bed and they finally got him to come out and he was a hog man an yeah. absolute giant you know but you know, I it's totally because feel, go ahead i totally feel the whole day is the way to go but again when we're talking about the mental aspect we we're trying to if if and yeah. maybe if you take that afternoon you don't get to that point the guy's talking about where you have to just get off the mountain there might be times that you can you know find a little bit break in a time of that day so what i want to do now is i want to go to this last question because i really think this is something special to really help people out out there you know as a coach we help our athletes get through difficulties issues event struggles with cues with words or sayings that help them visualize understand or reset themselves mentally for the task at hand so what cues would you develop or have you developed for yourself to help you get through the mental difficulties? Like, for example, you know, one of the ones that I use all the time that I tell people to kind of help them stay focused is zero to hero in 15 seconds, right? 
that's one of the cues that I want people to, and what I mean by that is, you know, you can be hunting for days and days and we hunt for days for moments for those moments that are short right there. So looking at a bull on my wall, that was 15 seconds from us turning around and giving up. Yep. I mean, we were done. We just poked our head over this ridge and made one bugle and then blew up like a dang time bomb down there. And we hadn't heard nothing all evening, remember? And we went three or four miles, man, through some really tough terrain. Manano on my six the whole time with a camera. And I mean, we make one bugle, one cow call and one bugle and boom, here it is. And it wasn't one bull. It was a whole herd of bulls down there with cows so you, and everything. Do you have any other cues, bro, that you use for yourself? Yeah, for me, man, it's slow down. When you think you're going slow, slow down. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about going slow and about analyzing area. For me, it's, you know, when you're going slow, slow. You think you're going slow enough, slow down some more, you know. And uh that's kind of one of the things that helps me go through the mountain, you know, and know that, okay, uh that 1,200-foot climb is going to be, it's going to be rough, but I'm going to do like guy says. I'm going to look down at my feet, put one foot in front of the other, you know. So you, you're kind of like, you know, when to go slow and when, you know, it's sometimes it's go slow and go hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when to yeah. go hard. What about yeah. you? Manano? Yeah. I would say the same, Joe, because uh, the first part of the, of this hunt, I put up a lot of miles and I saw 22 out. So I was, in out all day. But, you have uh, video on that? Your camera? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do, actually. But I, I, I had to step back because they were like a rifle distance, all of that. Yeah, a so, thousand yards. Yes. A so, good no, thousand yeah, thousand yard 100, 150, 200 yards. Yeah. But another thing was, uh, you know, the main factor was the, uh, the private, the private land. They were yeah. right on the border. So yeah, I would say that yeah, go slow to it's time to go hard. Yeah. Okay, go slow. So there's the cue, right? Go slow till it's time to go hard, right? Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? I, I I've said it this whole podcast, I've said it right. I was trying to think of think of what that cue is, right? But I'm not gonna I'll never succeed if I quit, right? I'm I'm not going to succeed if I quit. Can't can't succeed if you quit. Right. So, I mean, that really is, that is it. I mean, that, that goal, that, you know, big audacious goal that I set. Right. That, that is, that is my cue. I mean, there's no, there's nothing else about it except it needs to be done. What are you going to do to get it done? And that's, I tell myself that a lot. And when I start to, you you know feel sorry for myself and feel beat up <laughs> that up that bottom lip out yeah i'll sit on a log and and i'll talk some legitimate smack and have a conversation about how big of a blah 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 i am you know and and it's like well, how are you going to how are you going to do it if you are going to quit if you're ready to go back to camp or if you're ready to go back to the side by side or you're ready to go back to base camp how are you going to succeed and that's yeah. That's just what keeps me going. Good cue. RC? No. <laughs> well, I'd have to say the same thing is never give up. But one of the things that I always do is is I always use 
the thing about the red dot. Where am I going to shoot? I've taken lots and lots. I've never wounded an animal, knock on wood, but I've taken lots of shots because I didn't have my spot picked out. So I always have that in my mind, the, the red dot. That's so I'm going, that's my cue. Yeah, exactly. So when I see an animal, where's his red dot? If it's a cow, deer, coyote, whatever, where's that spot? So. Yeah, when I get in that kill mode, brother, it's all looking right where I want it to go, you know. Um, and we don't take our eye off of that much, you know. Uh, for me, Joe, too, work smart, not work hard. Um, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to use the technology that we have to understand areas, uh, and try to, you know, help myself work smart and not hard. You know, there's a difference in, uh, necessarily working hard and working smart when you figure out a way to work smart and uh, it can take some of that burden off of you. It helps when you don't have the opportunity to be able to use the tools that are at your disposal, it hamstrings you, you know, and it, it can make you, it can make you unsuccessful. You know, what makes our crew so successful is the diversity we have within everybody, you know, uh, that's what makes this crew so successful in being in the fact that we're all kindred spirit. None of us have that quit in them. We all got that dog in us. Right. And uh it's when you're stressed and when you're squeezed that that dog comes out, you know, and I can attest to every one of these guys I've been in the woods with here. They all got that big dog in them. Right. And, uh and love each and every one of them for it. And I know you know, that they, they do anything for me and, uh, you know, I do anything for them to help them out. So, um, for me, it's about, like I said, working hard, working smart and not working hard. I'm going to, I'm going to read out. I've got some, some actual cues that, uh, that I want people to hear. And if you guys want to throw in like a comment on them, then, then that's, that's great as well. But, uh, here's some of the cues that, I constantly try to think about or things that are going through my head or that I tell other people. One is, what are the elk doing right now? Where are they doing it? Am I there? And that's, that's something that goes along with uh, another one that I tell myself that's right along those lines is that don't hike and hope, hunt. So if at any time I find myself walking without, you know, I'm going, man, am I just hiking and hoping or am I still, am I actually hunting? You know, Mm -hmm. again, I go back to what are the elk doing right now? Where are they doing it? And am I there? Because again, you got to be in animals to be able to, to hunt. The basis. Yeah. You know, RC and I hunted an area this year together and I bet we did a lot more. We didn't hike a whole lot. We hunted, man. And I mean, we hunted every little sign that we could find. Uh, I, I remember going through some really, uh, really tough downfall and stuff like that coming out of there. But when we hunted our way into it, it was very evident that the elk had been in there and had frequented that area quite a bit. But, you know, and we had the wind, we had everything we really needed to be successful, just minus the elk. You know, they didn't show up and we called and did what we knew to do. And, you know, they weren't, they weren't there, but we slipped in there real quiet, 
um, like I said, I, for me, it was hunting. Every step for me is a hunt. You know, I'm trying to find something that that's that sign trying to get in there and uh, and go slow. You know, me and Dr. Bob run up on some mule deer that, and I had a mule deer tag. And daggum, them mule deer got by me again, you know. Then my my daggum nemesis. I even got the full draw, Joe. And the dad rascal decided to run across the road instead of walk. And uh, anyway, I, but we never find those mule deer if we're not going slow enough. Yeah. You know, we never even see them if we're just blowing through an area. You know what I mean? Okay. And I'll just read these cues off. And if yeah. something you guys want to um Elk hunting is about will and weakness. My will to find their weakness. Okay? If I can kill a silent elk, I can kill any elk. I'm not the same old rodeo, and I feel like that's a huge one, man. I mean, I think that, you know, giving them something different. I actually had somebody that was telling me and talking to me that said that they heard us say that we could call in elk just with raking, glunking, moaning, and he was like, I thought y'all were full of it. And then I did it, and it worked. <laughs> you know, because I wasn't right situation, right time, man. Yep. Um, elk respond with more than just a bugle. Always tell yourself that, man. Uh, I and I and I join that with hunt elk, not bugles. Okay. Another one is elk working their time, not our time. Big right there, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably yeah. I, I really like the first one in terms of the cues. Yeah. That one right there, um that is that's that's ninety percent of you know, yeah. people walking away and they we're don't on their time. That. Yeah. We are on their time. You're living in their world. Trust the playbook, believe in the process. Yeah, you gotta trust that the work you put in prior to Making the play is worthy. You'll find out if it ain't, I promise you. And I think a big cue that I have is I can do this. And that's where, you know, something that Guy was talking about, you know, before, you know, so that's just, um, uh, some of the cues that I put it in there. Take it in, enjoy the ride. Don't take it hard. Work smart, not hard. Um, and you know, all those things that we were talking about, these are cues that, and you each got to find these. You got to find them that when you are having, when you're, when you're struggling mentally out there, you know, when it's just starting to be just a grind, the grind comes from, you know, being out there day after day and, you know, doing the early mornings and doing the late nights and that, that, yeah, that's just the grind right there. But that doesn't mean that it has to grind on us mentally. I think a lot of times we do that to ourselves and I think we can actually, uh, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we take how we it. we deal with it, yep. Yep. So we can either make things harder for ourselves that are easy for, easier for ourselves. And when I'm Amen. hunting the hunt, when I'm loving to hunt the hunt, it's not hard, man. It's just that's why I'm there. And like Guy said, we waited 350 days. I was going to say that. Yeah. Right? And there's a cue right there. I've been waiting 350 mm-hmm. days to do this. I can sleep when I get home. Exactly. How bad do you want it? There's your cue. Yeah. Yep. How bad how do you bad, want it? How bad do you want it? So um, when we come back next week, guys, what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about the most common mistakes that we saw 
um, and that we're seeing and that we're hearing about, you know, from folks out there. And we're not only going to give those mistakes that are happening. Again, we want to talk about solutions as well. We want to point those out um, because I, I see so many of them and I hear so many of them. And when I say mistakes, you know, are we saying that people are doing things wrong? Well, these are things that we feel people do that hurt their success. Um, you can still do these things and still be successful. <laughs> Trust yeah. Uh, but 15 seconds. 15, 15 seconds. seconds. But to be consistently, consistently successful year after year, there's some things that you got to kind of get out of your system. So that's going to be next time. Fantastic, Joe. Look, I think this, this series is important. I mean, it dives in depth on the mental preparation, uh, that we've all gone through and the, the mental anguish that we've all gone through on the mountain. And you guys at bow hunt and rifle hunt here in the, in the Western states, man, you know, altitude's a real thing. You know, you've heard God talk about it. You know, it's very hard to prepare for that when you're coming from the flatlands. Uh, but, you know, if you listen to our podcast, you go to base camp, stuff like that. We do our best to try and prepare you ahead of time and understanding, uh, you know, what's, what's ahead of you. Uh, I really didn't understand it. I, Carl Gamage, you know, made it sound like Tyrannosaurus Rex was going to run up and eat me. And, uh, by the time I was done, I wished one would have. I mean, it was that tough. I mean, so at the end of the day, you know, you just got to grit your teeth and understand that it's going to be a lot tougher than you imagined and, you know, prepare yourself every day. And, you know, we, we're blessed to have this opportunity to tell you about how we like to do things. And, and you know, you got Manano Gratteron was one of the, you know, toughest guys on the mountain you'll ever want to meet guys the same way, great fortitude and, you know, the legend and Joe, these guys just won't let you give up. I mean, that's the beauty of this crew is they just won't let you give up. And, you know, guys, if you like what we're doing, man, uh, you've got to subscribe, rate and review. You got to go to Apple podcast or iTunes to review us and be sure to include your name, where you're from to get in on our drawing. And that means that you can do the spinner winner wheel, right, Joe? Yes, sir. And you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. Uh, also be looking out on elk bros adventures. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, have some exciting news coming up there for sure coming up for next year. Um, guys, if they don't know it, it, you know, we are outfitters in New Mexico. So, um, we, uh, we have some really, uh, cool things that went off this, this season that I'm sure Joe will get to and, and talk about. Well, we've got some really, fun plans for for next season as well and just a reminder if any of our last our listeners would like to uh have their questions answered on our show you can send your questions to info at elkbros.com that's i-n-f-o at elkbros.com and like we say down here in the lone star state husbands kiss your wives wives kiss your husbands hug your babies keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry and we'll see you next week right here on blue collar elk honey Peace, peace, everybody. Peace. Peace. For all our grinders out there, here's some more music from our brother from the West, Tony Wintrip. (laughs) And it's his new album, y'all. This is new stuff coming out from Tony. Incredible. Night, everyone.
I took the drifter's role, ended up with one XY, but I never gave up on it. Yeah, I knew how bad I wanted a brand new me. I hit a few bumps in the road, but I kept driving on, running big machines and thinking about writing songs. Now I'm up against it, time to walk away. I'm sure it's time to get Behind, gotta clear my head and maybe add a little salt and lime and enjoy my freedom. Got a few wanna love, wanna leave them upside down. I hit a few bumps in the road, but 